then there were eight. Good morning, FCS football fans. Welcome to the FCS Opening Drive Podcast, the quarterfinal preview presented by Football Game Plan and the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. I am David Hassagan. With me is the jet-lagged czar of the playbook, Emery Hunt. Emery, good morning, sir. Good morning, sir. Not really jet-lagged, just got up early. I had a 6 a.m. flight, so I had to get across from Daytona Beach to Tampa. So I got up at 2, drive across state to be at the airport for about 4.30. Um, and so, <laughs> full flight though, man. Amazing how many people were leaving Daytona Beach or leaving Tampa this morning to head back up this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, full flight. You talk, I'm talking about a 747. You know, so it's three on three each side. Mm-hmm. Pack. Oh man! And just to come back to this lovely weather we're having in the Northeast this time of year. Oh yeah, it was for, beautiful down in Daytona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rub it in, why don't you? Anyway, folks, we'll get into all of the uh, all of the. Sights and sounds of the FCS Bowl in just a second. We're also going to talk about, of course, the second round where we saw defensive struggles, blowouts, points galore, the SWAC title game, which was a very entertaining ball game once again. We've got a couple more coaching changes to talk about the game balls. We're going to examine how the FCS is doing in the NFL this season. There's quite a few rookies that have made a big, big impact. Some you've probably heard in the headlines, some you may not have. And then, of course, we will get into the quarterfinal matchups. There's some really intriguing games that we're going to look at here. And, of course, if you want to listen back on any of our previous podcasts, you can go to SoundCloud or iTunes, and you can search Football Game Plan there in the podcast section. Subscribe while you're there. Don't want to miss any of the Football Game Plan content from the NFL to college and beyond. And don't forget to go to footballgameplan.com where you can pre-order Well, you can order, excuse me, a late Christmas gift, a stocking stuffer of the GoGo offense, which is available there on the website. Emery, let's get into it. And like I said, you were down in the beautiful state of Florida this weekend for the FCS Bowl, one of the kind of the unknown uh, uh, college all-star games, but still very much important for those that are involved. Um, Great content coming out of there all weekend long from their official feed, from you as well with uh, drills and stuff like that. What did you see? Is anybody that stood out? What, what was the, what were all the sights and sounds? Well, first of all, it's a you know it's a two day practice and a game on Sunday. So Friday practice, Saturday practice, Sunday was the game, and it's a great opportunity for for those guys to get seen first. A bunch of scouts down there. From my vantage point, I saw Jets, Dolphins, Browns, Ravens. Um, a couple of CFL teams were there, so good mix of, of teams were in attendance to check out some of the talent. And just off the strength, just three guys right off the bat, four guys actually, Jimmy Robinson of Bethune-Cookman, a local kid right there in Daytona Beach, mm. down the street from the stadium. They had, you know, at, at Bethune he was a receiver and their dynamic punt returner. In this all-star event, they had him working out as a running back all week, which was outstanding because now you look at him as a receiver but playing the running back position, which he was natural in doing so. But he's already an instant matchup problem uh, for opposing defenses. When you, cause Because he's a, a, line, a running back, you got to match him up with a linebacker. He's going to win that battle 10 times out of 10. Um, then we always talk about the receivers. Kyle Anthony from Howard had a really good week of work. Uh, just a big body guy that, that did a great job catching the football consistently. Uh, also, my, uh, Michael Darius from Georgetown mm. finally got the opportunity to get passes thrown his way. <laughs> you know, and he he exactly. was he looked the part and played the part. Just he did exactly what you thought he would do in a true passing game in a true week of practice and 
working with a quarterback that played at Ohio and transferred to IUP was real helpful for him. Um, and you look at Angelo Garbutt, the linebacker from Missouri State, mm. he won MVP, had a really good uh, week down there as well. And on the defensive side, another defensive player um, I thought that did a really good job was the defensive back Cam Pruitt from Campbell. Uh, Interesting. Outstanding corner. You know, he was he was the voice of the week. You know, there's, there's always that one guy that just <laughs> The talks. one talker. Yeah, that's <laughs> louder than, than outside noise. Like, he was the one. But in a positive way, you know, I thought Maxwell Howell uh, of Portland State did a great job as well. Corner. He was one of the bigger corners out there. Uh, Darshawn McCullough, Eastern Illinois. Mm. Good running back, good punt returner. He showed some quickness and stuff like that. So, and Kyle, uh, Matthew Burrell of Sam Houston State, the lineman, uh, had a really good week, as well as his teammate, Bryce Wilds. So both Sam Houston State linemen were there. And there was a ton of Wagner guys there. Yep. There were four Wagner guys there. Uh, Christian Alexander was the quarterback. He had a good week. And their defenders were, were outstanding. But uh, Tavon Grant. I thought was the best of the bunch. The mm. edge rusher had a really good uh, showing in one-on-one. So it's a great showing uh, for all of these guys out there. They got seen first, and some of these guys will get called up to the Tropical Bowl, which I'll be right. the color analyst on in January. Daytona Beach, same place, same time uh, during my whole all-star game circuit travels in an entire month of uh, January. So look, looking forward to seeing some of these guys move up and seeing who else gets added to the fray. Because, again, there are some guys that probably had invites, but they're either competing in the playoffs or right. they just finished their season. And, you know, it's tough, tough to – travel. Yeah, tough travel, body not right yet. You know, you just probably sore, want to take a week. It's close to the holidays. So we'll see. Definitely got a great opportunity to talk with a lot of these guys and talk with scouts, and they're very impressed with the talent at the FCS level. Exactly. And, and for those of you who are listening who maybe are high school players or looking at small colleges – just because you're going small school does not mean you don't have a chance of going and playing pro and making this a career. You Sometimes the guys that are overlooked make the biggest impact. And we'll talk about a few of those guys later on in this podcast to give you a few examples that are pretty high profile. Um, I, sadly, you couldn't bring the weather, though, back with you, back to New Jersey. It was, I mean, it was, it was <laughs> warm, too. It was, it, no lie, it was warm. The, my hotel was right across the street from the Daytona Speedway. Oh, and so geez. beautiful stadium yeah. and they practice in the morning so all you heard was like <laughs> the, <laughs> you know, all just the, revving just revving all through it's like <laughs> goodness uh, but it is a beautiful stadium had I known I was staying across the street from the Daytona Speedway I probably would have taken a tour um, even though I'm not a big racing guy but yeah, it's still an, I've it's had a, Daytona yeah. 500 you know, games on Sega Genesis. So yeah, exactly. it could have been cool to have been out there just check it out you know? Sega Genesis yeah Good just Lord. before you guys you guys are like <laughs> we need to talk about that's one we should probably bring it up when when Troy is here uh, and Alex we'll bring up you know the generation gap well no the football <laughs> video games because you guys only know Madden but the NCAA college football national championship game and the Joe Montana football games were way better than Madden at the t- at that time so this is like 93 94 those games slaughtered Madden and once Madden got the, the license for like the monopoly mm. for the entire license for these for the uh, NFLPA, it really shut down 
the rest of those games. That's why you don't see competition anymore. Well, Alex Marinoni is sitting in here in the studio. I, I can see he's got something on his mind. you want to chime in real quick before we get to the second round? I got to say, I, I was a Joe Montana football guy. That was the first game I ever played. It was dope, right? And and, uh, and I did not like Madden. But then I just, as I got older, I remember the age of Madden and what it became. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, nothing could compete with this. Yeah. There, there was NFL 2K, though, for PlayStation 2K was a, right, for, in uh, Dreamcast. <laughs> the 2K, yeah. Yeah, 2K had, had one. Um, and then, again, that's why you can't allow monopolies because there's no competition. So that's what happened with... Um, Madden and EA, the, the NCAA game, that's why the games kind of stayed the same and they've been kind of trash. But you see what happens when you allow competition. Quietly, 2K has made live irrelevant in basketball yeah. video games <laughs> because EA can't compete when, you know, there's some people that, that just do graphics and uh, gameplay just a lot better. So, And yeah. I haven't played a game since 2006. I haven't played a video game since 2006. I used to be heavy in the games, but yeah. um, obviously starting football game playing kind of took up all of my time. I was about to say, this was the FCS Opening Drive podcast. It's now the... Well, you, you, you the one <laughs> threw it over there to Alex. <laughs> hey, I'm just saying, he's in here, folks. We might as well include him. He's, he's looking lonely over there anyway. Uh, let's get into the second round, though, folks. And like I said in the opening, it was a round that saw a little bit of everything. There were big score lines. There were close defensive struggles. There were competitive ball games really kind of ran the gamut. So let's start with the first game on the, on the slate. That was JMU taking on Monmouth. Um, Monmouth put up some big numbers in their first game against, against Holy Cross. They came in on a hot streak. We knew that this was going to be interesting if Monmouth could punch JMU in the nose, and they did in the first quarter. This was a 21-14 JMU lead after one quarter. Uh, Pete Guerrero broke off what, according to Craig Haley, is the longest rush from scrimmage in FCS playoff history, a 93-yard touchdown run to open the game. Uh, McNeese's Henry Fields uh, held the previous record 90-yard carry in 1994 against Idaho. Um, Danucci then runs, you know, sends the JMU offense back the other way, and then Lonnie Moore takes the kickoff back 93 yards. The next next play, so you had two 90-plus-yard plays. Second half, though, different story. JMU really turned on the defense. They made huge adjustments. Offense just really clicked all game long for them and they win 66 to 21 Monmouth has nothing to hang their heads about but this JMU team is just another level yeah they're a whole different level man shout out to Pete Guerrero though five yards short of a thousand uh two thousand he was one yard short yeah. for the longest and then they give him the ball uh and then when they give him the ball it was a five-yard loss so nah. so you finish with about what 1995 and something like that yeah something like that uh still remarkable but I thought the story of this game was how quickly JMU made defensive adjustments and shut Monmouth out after that 21 point. After uh, Terrence Green scored, yeah, it was essentially all JMU after that. Defensive adjustments saved the day for the Dukes. Dukes moved forward, and in, again, in preference fashion, they shut out Monmouth for the entire second half. On to our first of three upsets that happened in the second round. We spent all of the end of last podcast saying how seeded teams were undefeated last year. Not happening this time around. Northern Iowa taking on South Dakota State. This was a matchup that, you know, a rematch from the regular season. South Dakota State, the Jackrabbits, um, took it to UNI in the first matchup, beat them 38-7. But Northern Iowa's defense was always the big question mark, and they stepped up huge. They get the upset. They get the win 13-10. This was a defensive struggle. This was the lowest scoring game of the second round, but a huge upset and a big win for the Purple Panthers. Well, for me, it was more along the lines of defensive adjustments again. Yeah. You know, coming back after getting shut out and then just, you know, putting the stranglehold on uh, 
at Jackrabbit's offense. So I was impressed with Northern Iowa. I still worry about their offense. I was more surprised at South Dakota State's offense not having the that knockout power to really put this game away once they built that double-digit lead. Well, the biggest thing with South Dakota State, we have to, you know, this is they had a freshman going in at quarterback. They had Hyde going in, uh, going in there at quarterback for this game. Uh, this is their, I think, third quarterback they've had to go to this year. Yeah, they've had a lot of injuries. A at lot that of injury problems. So that that you got to throw that into the equation. Uh, but rushing the ball, really just ineffective. Um, really couldn't get anything going. Um, I was very impressed with Northern Iowa's defense, as you as you said. Um, Allen, the running back for them, had a nice day, 90 yards rushing on 24 carries, uh, just having that consistency. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how Northern Iowa can, if they can progress to another round. I think they're going to have some trouble, but good win here and a nice win in the Valley for them. The next upset on the schedule was the next game up, and that was Illinois State taking on Central Arkansas. The key to stopping Illinois State is stopping James Robinson. You knew that going in. Here's the problem. They couldn't stop James Robinson. He runs for over 200 yards again. He put up 297, I believe, in the first round. He goes for 210 on this one in 37 carries on two scores. And the Redbirds win 24-14. A 21-point second quarter is the big key. Central Arkansas just comes up short in the playoffs again. Their offense had two weeks to prepare for this opponent, and or at least one of the two opponents in the first round. And to come out flat like they did, Yeah. They allowed Illinois State to control the line of scrimmage, and that essentially lost them the game. So, shocked that the the Bears came out so flat offensively after what they've been able to do. Their defense, I thought, played well enough to where this game wasn't out of hand. No, absolutely. But their um, offense just couldn't take advantage and put points up on the board until late. So, shout out to Illinois State, came in with their game plan, did what they had to do, and got the win. And their defense was outstanding. They had three interceptions in this game. Huge key for them to win it. Moving on to the next one here, Montana taking on Southeastern Louisiana. This is one of the intriguing matchups going into this round because Montana's been dominant pretty much all year. They've had one or like maybe one, maybe two hiccups in the entire season, including you know Montana State right there at the end. But offensively, they've been strong. Defensively, they've been good. Southeastern Louisiana kind of flying the ointment because you didn't know what to expect from them. Their offense has been flying all year, but it's coming out of the Southland. So how good could they possibly be? This was another one where it was pretty tight early on, but then Montana just put on a show. They win 73-28. Huge game from the quarterbacks, both sides in this one. Both threw for over uh, 425 yards in the air. Um, But Dalton Sneed was another level in this one, and Montana just dominated them in every facet. Yeah, I thought this game would be closer. This was actually my upset uh, on last week's FCS kickoff. I didn't think... If a game got into a track meet, that would mean Montana would be the one <laughs> yeah. leading the charge and exactly. leading the pace. They were the pace card in this game, and my goodness, you talk about big plays. It was chunk play after chunk play in their offense. If the offense can come out and be effective like they were, granted, you're not going to score 73 points in a lot of games, right? but just the effectiveness of their offense, if they can continue to be like this without being inconsistent along with their defense – They'll, they'll be ready for Montana State if they were to meet up again. Speaking of Montana State, they were also home. Pretty much the entire state of Montana was shut down this weekend uh, for watching football games. Montana State was facing the Great Danes of Albany. Um, this was an intriguing matchup because Albany put up some, you know, struggled for the first half against Central Connecticut in round one, uh, then just completely flipped the switch and came out firing in the second half of that game. 
the problem was in the first round, Central Connecticut State couldn't put points up. Montana State very much did. This game was over relatively quickly. 47-21. Albany got a couple touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Didn't really matter. Bobcats move on, and they roll. Rovig, the quarterback, was outstanding in this game. Their defense was just phenomenal, man. This has been one of the better defenses all season long. Uh, Sterk, to me, is the best defensive player in the FCS. I just love the way he plays. I actually voted for him for the Buck Buchanan. He was my number one. Right. Um, and I just think defensively, they they just are dominant at all three levels. Um, they got a, a safety in this ball game, so they scored on defense. And when you have that many swings at, at bat, your offense better be able to convert. And they off, their offense was able to convert along with a suffocating defense. So shout out to Albany. This was a young football team. They'll be back in the mix once again. Yes. I think they're going to be consistent in a CAA now with this young team that got a taste of playoff experience. But Montana State is just a, a monster right now. And they're going to be a problem moving forward. And nice day for Lance McCutcheon, by the way, the wide receiver from Montana State. Two catches, 91 yards, two touchdowns. Efficient. Both in the third quarter. So um, Make them count. Shout out to him. Let's move on to the next one. This is probably the most competitive game of the second round. Weber State taking on Kennesaw. You know you're facing an option offense that always makes the game a little bit different. Weber, solid team all the way around. Solid on offense, solid on defense. Um, Good quarterback play, decent running game. Kennesaw State had them in this game in the first half. They looked really, really strong. Weber made some nice adjustments in the second half. Got a little bit of help with a fumble return for a touchdown from Adam Rodriguez. And the Wildcats just hold on 26-20 over Kennesaw to move on to the third, to the quarterfinals. That was the difference in the game. Yeah. And that's one thing you can't do if you're an option team is turn the ball over. You can have turnover on downs, but you can't turn the ball over because it usually creates a short field. And that one ended up being a touchdown, and they lose by six. Yeah. So that, to me, albeit in the third quarter, was the play of the game. And it was on something that, you know, they – have familiarity with the, the tall sweep out of the option. Right. That's rather routine. You're used to handling the ball, either pitching it or that tall uh, sweep um, to the wing back. And this one just hit the turf. And Johnny on the spot was Rodriguez. And to me, that is the difference. Otherwise, we would be talking about Kennesaw moving on. Yeah. Their defense played well, but when you give up a touchdown, in addition to giving up that possession, that's detrimental to an option offense, and that, to me, is what sealed their fate. And the fact that it happened so early on in the second half, inside the first two minutes, that was the killer. If they had had that fumble you know, around the Weber 30-yard line after a nice drive, all right, fine. A right. mistake happens once in a while with, the, with an option offense, fine. The fact that it happened that close, that early, and resulted in six points, that was the killer. Good year from Kennesaw State once again. I think earned a lot of respect winning in the first round. Certainly contended with Weber in this one but just comes up short. Let's move on to the next one now. The number one seed, North Dakota State Bison, taking on the Nichols Colonels. This was an intriguing one for a half. Nichols <laughs> held up their side of the bargain for sure. Uh, put a little bit of a scare into Bison Nation. Um, but North Dakota State in the second half just wasn't going to put up with any of that. They really just kind of pulled away. They get the win 37-13. to They really shut down Chase Forcade, and that was the difference in this one. Big time difference because you look at what he does well. Um, he keeps plays alive and he uh, he does a great job in just facilitating the offense, keeps them on schedule. He's a dual threat. Once he took all of that away, yeah, Gums couldn't really get anything going on the ground. And you give Trey Lance more opportunities with the football and they're going to take advantage. Game over. I mean, again, you look at Trey Lance's stat lines 
and they never blow you away. But my God, are they efficient? Tennessee. That's, that's it. That's the that it's the Lamar Jackson effect. Yeah. You know, you may see oh, 146 yards passing, three touchdowns. That counts more than the, you know, the empty calories of these passing yards that people talk about. That's yeah. Lance. Trey, yeah, Trey Lance doing very much the same thing. 88 yards rushing with the touchdown. 10 of 16 through the air. 169. Two scores there. <laughs> so that's all. You can, three touchdowns. Again, it's just like with just over, just barely over 200 yards total <laughs> offense. That's just what they do. Um, let's move on to the last game of the uh, of the second round. And if you stayed up for this one, you're a trooper. If you were out in the rain in Sacramento, you're even more of a trooper because this one was late. It was nine o'clock Eastern time start out on the West Coast, pouring down rain for most of the first half. Sacramento State taking on Austin P. The two teams who were debutants in this year's playoff. Timeout. Timeout. Every time we've been on the podcast or on the FCS kickoff, yes, and we brought up Austin P and uh, Sacramento State, you have been married to the word debutantes. Hey, I got to use the correct form of the word. Thank you very much. You <laughs> have been on that word since we talked about it. Well, now there's only one debutante left because one of them had to lose. <laughs> This was an interesting game going in because two teams that were very similar. Both had dual-threat quarterbacks that are that like to run the football. Uh, Thompson for Sacramento State, Craig for Austin P. And Austin P. though, just out of the gate, just took Sacramento State and drove their heads into the dirt. 21 points in the first quarter. Sacramento State couldn't get anything going. It was very even in the second half. But my goodness, Austin P. was good. They get the win, 42-28. The dream of the OVC is alive for the Governors, and Javon Craig is the big reason why. I tell you what, man, this game was the talk of the scouting community at the FCS Bowl the next day. Everyone was talking about the running back for Austin P. and and how well he ran the football. Um People were just like, you know, whoever this this Wilson guy, I'm sorry, this Harley guy is, Yeah, they want him. You know, he's good. Quietly, Javon Craig looked real good throwing <laughs> the football, too. I just like he, – he reminds me a lot of what we saw last year from um, Taron Christian. You know, yeah. just a confident yeah. guy, just been around the block a lot. You know, he's a senior, um, good, nice compact delivery Efficient with the football, knows when to run. Nice touch. Nice touch. You know, displays when to, to drive it in there. He's very calm in the pocket. Never rattled. Just love the way he plays. And with the way their defense shut down Sac State's offense, again, back-to-back weeks of dominant defensive play was very impressive for the Governors. Yep. I kind of like them moving forward, man. I, I just saw a team that was – that can go to Montana State and play well. Yeah. Um, because they have good offense, good defense, good coaching staff. I'm excited to see that matchup this upcoming week. That could be very, very interesting. And before we get into our game balls, we had one other game. The SWAC title game uh, took place this past weekend between Alcorn and Southern. They did meet earlier in the season. Alcorn got the win in dominant fashion. Southern much more competitive in this game after their win in the Bayou Classic. First half, pretty even. Even through the third quarter, it was pretty close. And then Alcorn just turned on the Jets in the fourth. Uh, they had an interception return right at the end that kind of really just sealed the deal. Um, Alcorn goes back to the Celebration Bowl to face A&T once again. And defense was the story of the day. Yeah, Southern's defense couldn't stop Alcorn. And, and quietly, the quarterback, Felix Harper, he should win Black College Player of the Year Uh in the, the left-handed QB did a great job just, you know, moving that offense down the field, 
Southern defense really had no answer. And just when you thought the nail was in the coffin when a Waller scored, Southern got the ball back with a chance to go down the field and at least tie the game and probably push us into the over into overtime. And quietly, Alcorn's defense couldn't stop Southern either. Yep. Um, so Southern was moving the football, and then the pressure came. Skelton just threw the football, and it was intercepted by Wilson, who brought it back for a touchdown, which was great for the um, guys on the point spread line because yep. <laughs> they needed that to happen yep. just to ensure the win. Um, not that you should be betting on games, but if you do, that was a big play for you. Uh, helping Alcorn uh, get the much-needed point spread cover. So excellent job on both ends, on the scoreboard and also in Vegas for for the Braves. But quietly, no one talks about Fred McNair, the head coach at Alcorn State, and the job he's done in building a consistently good program that can win in conference, out of conference. He's uh, won four SWAC East titles, two outright SWAC titles, and has gone to the Celebration Bowl twice. Yep. That's consistency at a program, his alma mater. And we know how tough that is to do for guys to go and, and yep. coach at their alma, alma mater. Great job. He should be getting bigger opportunities outside of Alcorn State. I know Alcorn doesn't want to hear that, yep. but Fred McNair is a fantastic coach. Six total interceptions this game, by the way. There was the picks going on all over the place. And it was a packed house, too. You have, you have yes. to give credit for yes. uh, both Southern fans traveling. Uh, granted, it's only... 70 miles north on I. I, I forgot what, what, what yeah. interstate it is. Going from Baton Rouge up to Norman, right, right, right. Yeah, Mississippi. Yeah. I've made that trip before, um, about an hour and a half. So Southern was able to pack Jack Spring Stadium with their allotment of tickets. Alcorn obviously had you know the reservation packed with their side and on the hill. So it was a great showing for TV as well. Absolutely. And we'll look forward to Alcorn and A&T in, in pretty much their annual battle now. Their annual meetup, right? <laughs> in the Celebration Bowl. We should just have that as the first game of the season in the Miak Swack Challenge. Just do Alcorn, A&T, get it out of the way. That way you don't have to do it in the Celebration Bowl again. <laughs> um, let's get into our game balls. Emery, who do you have as your first one? First one obviously goes to um, the defense of James Madison. I'm going to give it to the entire defense because yep. I thought their defense really turned it on. I thought we were going to be in for a back and forth affair. They had other thoughts and kept Monmouth at 21. So shout out to James Madison's defense. Their defensive line is serious. On the back end, they can take the ball away. They picked off Kenji Bahar, who's really efficient with the football. Yep. So the Dukes got the job done on the defensive side. I'm going to give my first one to defense as well. I'm going to go to Illinois State. Three interceptions in their game. Critical against South Dakota State um, in that one. If, if Illinois uh, against uh, Central Arkansas, excuse me, if Illinois State's going to survive and get past the Bison in the quarterfinals, they're going to need that kind of performance plus probably a little bit more on offense uh, in order to get the job done. But three interceptions, still nothing to sneeze at. Great job from Illinois State. My only offensive game ball this week Goes to two players because they got to share it. Dalton Sneed, the quarterback at Montana, for <laughs> 459 yards, averaging 10 yards an attempt and five touchdowns, no picks. But his receiver, Samari Torre, Jesus. 12 receptions, <laughs> 303 yards, 25.3 yards an attempt, and three touchdowns. Ridiculous. I, I, th- those two guys got the job done <laughs> against Southeastern Louisiana. Just insane. Um, I'm going to go a little bit off the uh, the beaten track for my next one. I'm going to give the ball to Chase Virgil, also in that game. Obviously, you know, losing side, you don't want to hear that you got a game ball, but 36 of 59, 436, and four touchdowns, that's nothing to sneeze at. If he'd gotten any help anywhere else on the field, 
You can sneeze at that intercept, though. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, Southeast Louisiana still had a chance, though, in that game. If they, if they gotten any help whatsoever, but still ridiculous numbers in that one. For whatever happened, reason, as soon as you get inside Montana Stadium, it kind of defense just kind of goes out the window and you, points on the on the measure of the day. You know what also kills Southeast Louisiana? Devontae Williams didn't do much anything on the ground, so Montana's yeah. defense shut down. Yes, Devontae Williams is a really good running back. He's slippery. He's a guy that could catch the ball out of the backfield. He's elusive, and they held him to 31 yards, 34 yards rushing. Yeah, That took away a lot of the balance from southeast Louisiana. So Virgil had no choice but to put the ball up in the air 59 times uh, because they couldn't get anything going on the ground. Shout out to that defense, man. Williams, I thought, was going to have a really good day. That's why I went with the upset. I yeah. thought Williams was going to be uh, the X factor in that, in that matchup. And I'll also give one to Javon Craig as well. You know, mm-hmm. We know Trey Lance is going to do this every week, but Javon Craig showed he can do it too. 18 of 28, 204, and two touchdowns in the air. In the rain. 12 carries, 164, and a touchdown. One on a big run in the first quarter um, to get them the win. Be interesting. I, I would I would like to see them maybe play each other in the semifinals. Who? North Dakota State and Austin P. Because it can happen. It could happen. Because that would be a very interesting ball game right there. Uh, before we get into our main segment here, we're going to talk a couple more coaching changes. Um, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty quiet subject this time around. Last year there were 25 I don't know, everybody got coaching changes. The year before that, I think it was 24. Uh, this year we're only up to nine, uh, one of which we kind of saw coming, and that was at Howard. Um, Ron Prince officially let go from that position there. Uh, Aaron Kelter taking over as the interim. We knew there were a lot of issues going on at Howard pretty much all year long. Uh, a lot of allegations, a lot of off-the-field stuff. We figured this was going to happen eventually. They waited until the, until the end of the year, but this was happening. Kelton is a good coach. Uh, Aaron Kelton is a fantastic coach and a great guy, great personality. I remember him uh, coaching up at Williams College up, at, um, right. up in um, yeah. Massachusetts. And he had phenomenal success up there. He's a great guy to have in the interim. But how about this? How about this for for a wild card hire? How about bringing back Brendan Marion? Go-go offense. Returns <laughs> to Howard, right? Help. Help. Bring back why not? Offense. He's ready for a head coaching job. Yeah, might I, as well. Why not make that phone call? He so. improved he improve William & Mary's offense. But you know William & Mary's like, um, no, no, please. <laughs> if I'm Howard, I'd make that phone call. Well, it'll be interesting to see. The other one that uh, was a change was – a little bit of a surprising one, but um, Wagner has made a change at the top, and they've already got their new man in charge as that's, well. That that's sketchy. That that's what makes this very interesting, folks. Uh, Jason uh, Hotaling, Coach Hotaling, let go on December sixth, and within twenty four hours, Tom Masella comes in as the new coach. He is a legend at at Wagner. He was a bet he is big star at quarterback. We don't want to assume that this was a shady dealings. That this was maybe maybe a handover that was. You know, on the cards that everybody knew, but based on the timeline, everybody knew Coach Hoss, right? <laughs> I, I'm going to put my Sherlock Holmes hat on. Based on the timeline that we're seeing here, something was going down that maybe not everybody knew about. But Wagner's got their new man and Coach Hotalling, who's done a great job building this program. Right. As you said, four or five players down at the uh, FCS Bowl this past weekend where you were. And one is going to be at the NFLPA Bowl. So they he did a good job building this program, but now they've moved in a new direction. Yeah, and here's the thing too, man. Um, coach O'Tallin is a great coach, great guy, and I'm pretty sure their new coach, being a legend there, 
having coached there before is going to bring in some cachet and, and you hope to restore the roar. Uh, but their issues probably are more along the lines of not the coaching staff. So I think the coaching staff has to do a better job of, you know, making sure um, they only do what they're supposed to do. They're being paid to coach the game. You shouldn't have to worry about all the ancillary things. To me, that falls on the shoulders of your AD, your school yeah. president. You know, that's more probably along the lines of the issues more so than that makes the coaching on the field hard. Yes. So and it is a tough place to recruit to. It, yeah, it's on New York. paper. It looks right. It, it's it's New York. It's New York. It's Staten it's, Island. It's the only it, school there. But it's Staten Island. And well, but it's the only school there. There's no other yeah. competition, and you and you're in New York, so you have access to both Jersey and the five boroughs. You don't have Hofstra out there no more playing football. You don't have St. John's playing football, but you do have LIU now right. playing D1. You have Stony Brook that has you know become a, a power. You have Mammoth that has become a power. So the landscape has changed. Yep. Recruiting has to be better. In order for the recruiting to get better, the facilities have to get better. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. And maybe they can catch up with Rutgers, who are probably going to be doing the same thing over the next two years. They uh, Listen. With Coach Ciano. They better win every game. <laughs> and they better go to... They they better go to they have to go the to Pro Bowl. I don't forget bowl <laughs> games. Forget the Camping World Bowl. Forget the Meineke Carcel Bowl. Yes. The the Blockbuster Bowl. They better go straight Big Ten Championship to the Pro Bowl with the way Jersey has flipped out over Shiano. Completely flipped out. Uh, before we get, um, of course, Shiano being from the NFL, maybe that gives him a little extra boost this time around. I'm not sure. He did a great job without it. But speaking of. Uh, which we were going to get into the NFL, you know, FCS players in the NFL segment, but we've just had some breaking news come across, um, and FCS Stats has announced the invitees for the unveiling of the Walter Payton Award, the FCS Heisman. Four players have been invited. Case Cookus, the quarterback from Northern Arizona. Monmouth Jr. running back Pete Guerrero is in the field. North Dakota State's registered freshman quarterback Trey Lance and junior quarterback Kevin Thompson from Sacramento State. Your reaction to those four being the finalists, apparently, to All this award. worthy. All yes, worthy. very much. However. <laughs> here we go. However, <laughs> and they have the votes here, um, and we're looking at the votes. Do you remember how you voted? Of course not. So, Wow, thank you. <laughs> how did you vote? I did include Trey Lance in there as my number five. I, I, I put him down at five only because he's a freshman. In terms of a most valuable player, I think you know you want to see a body of work. He was my number one vote, though, for the Jerry Rice Award. So I will say that. Um, I did select Pete Guerrero in there. I believe he was my number three. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not believe I had Case Cookus in there, but I did have um, I did have Kevin Thompson in as my number four, I believe. I had James Robinson in there. I thought he had a phenomenal year. Um, and there's one other name that I'm forgetting at the moment. But so you didn't know you uh, I, I quiet, knew, Dave. Hey, so, I knew I, I knew four out of my five. That's a whole lot better than you might do. Nah, the <laughs> only thing I, the only two guys that were in that weren't in my list was Cookus and Thompson. In replace, I had Bahar and Robinson. Right. But I had Trey Lance number one. Um, I'm surprised Thompson got to be a finalist. And you know who just missed the, the top four? Barrier. That's crazy, right? He quietly had a very good year for Eastern Washington, despite the results not being there on the field because of the defense. 
Right. If they win a few more games, he might have gotten that four. But the round out the top ten here, we do have the voting results here. Uh, Chris Rowland, wide receiver from Tennessee State. He went nuts this year. Was number six. Very quietly had a very good year. Running back out of A&T, Jermaine Martin. He had an incredible season. We mentioned him several times on the podcast. You mentioned him several times. I'm surprised you didn't you didn't vote him in your top five. He might have been my fifth one. You probably don't remember. You'll never know. <laughs> Kenji Bahar in there at number eight. Uh, Daniel Smith, the quarterback from Villanova, the transfer from, I believe, Campbell, um, moving yeah. in at the number nine spot. And James Robertson fin- finishes 10th. Just ahead of Reed Sinet from San Diego. Reed Sinet of listen, <laughs> Alex Marinoni is sitting here in the studio because we're after we record this, we got to record an NFL podcast. But Alex also <laughs> covers the uh, Pioneer League for the FCS, and you know has to watch Reed Sinet just not do well against Northern <laughs> Iowa, costing some money this time around. Yeah, he lost a couple shackles on on the game. I don't know why you would. <laughs> bet San Diego versus North Dakota State, but just want to give you a shout out on the uh, on the on the pie. Appreciate it. Yeah, hey, maybe. maybe. <laughs> Reason that got four first place votes, by the way. Four, because they have the voting at first, second, third, fourth, fifth. He got four first place votes. He got more first place votes than James Robinson. Wow, that, that's a bit disrespectful for me. Well, you know, you know what's interesting? I'm glad I'm looking at the list, and I'm glad a lot of these guys made the list. I'm glad Alex Ramsey of VMI made the list. Ryan Stanley from A&M. Right. Well-deserved. Felix Harper, you know, made the list. Kurt Rawlings. Bentley was late, probably, because Bentley was awesome this year for Alabama A&M. And Cozier for, for Holy Cross, I thought all those guys were really good this year. Glad to see them get some recognition. And Bailey Zapp, we talked about him yes. earlier in the year from yeah. Houston Baptist, how they were on fire. They were, yes. We were ready to put Houston Baptist. <laughs> they, in, were number, they were four, they, Final Four. Yeah, they were the they Final were Four. They were in. You know, they was going to turn around. And, you know, so um, Kurt Rawlins. And we'll be at the College Football Hall of Fame tomorrow. Yes. And uh, – covering that event and tomorrow they'll announce the MEAC player of the year but the Ivy League will announce whom they will who will be there I think they already announced their finalists the Bushnell Cup yeah yep. for the Bushnell Cup so I think their their award ceremony is either today or Wednesday I don't right. know well also just so, so, so you can put this on your calendar folks the rest of the award the award invites for the Buck Buchanan also announced tomorrow on December 10th. December 11th, the winner of the Jerry Rice Award will be announced. The Eddie Robinson Coach of the Year Award will be announced on the 12th. Uh, the Doris Robinson Award winner, which is the best academic uh, star, he will be that will be announced on the 16th. FCS All-American Team will be announced on December the 19th. And the FCS Awards Banquet, which will announce the Peyton and Walter Payton and Buck Buchanan Award winners, will be January 10th, just before the FCS National Championship. That is according to FCS stats. So we, we need for FCS stats to make to push this championship game and award ceremony back up a week like it was last year. Yes. So that way I can go to it like <laughs> I did last year. No, I won't be able to make it this year because it's moved into the week I'm supposed to be at the Tropical Bowl. Absolutely. And it, 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 just, you know, poor planning. We can blame Craig. Always Kelly consult me first before making a schedule. Come on, Craig. At Craig Haley. Always consult me first. Before we get into the quarterfinal, folks, we we decided we'd take a step back here because like, obviously there's not as many games to cover. There's not as much news breaking so far uh, at this time of the year. So we figured we'd take a look, maybe uh, do a little cross-reference here to our NFL coverage, which we've started this year with the NFL All-32 podcast. 
and we talk about the FCS class of 2019 in the NFL. As of this past week, week 14 in the NFL schedule, 26 FCS rookies, not just players, rookies, are on rosters in the NFL right now. So just because you're going to FCS doesn't mean you're not going to play in the NFL or get their chance. And some of these guys have had some big, big numbers. So how, some of the FCS guys that have you know, made an impact this year, who stood, off, who stood out for you? The Dodgers in the 24th <laughs> and a half century. That's a reference that you don't even remember. That's from Bucks Bunny. Uh, but Devlin Hodges, 3-0 as an NFL starter, outstanding efficiency, looks a lot better than Mason Rudolph. Yeah. But we're not surprised that he's having a success because he won the Walter Payton Award, broke all of Steve McNair's records, and went toe-to-toe yesterday with the number one overall pick and Heisman Trophy winner in Kyler Murray. He has beaten the last two Heisman Trophy winners this year. He's 3-0 as a starter. He's beaten Baker Mayfield and now Kyler Murray. And so when you look at what he has done, the you know stability he's brought to this Steelers offense, Mike Tomlin once again, since his uh, clinched his non-losing season, 13th consecutive year. Yeah. So imagine Devlin Hodges coming in, undrafted, rookie free agent. People say he had a middling arm, but not the strongest arm. He threw a lot of picks, but won the Walter Payton Award that no one talks about. They act like this guy just came out of nowhere. Out of nowhere, like they literally find him in the, on the backwood road of Alabama somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and, and just say, hey, can you toss this pick skin around? Like, no, this dude was an accomplished QB, got the opportunity, seized it, and now has the Steelers on the precipice of playoff appearance. And you know what's crazy? You talked about, you know, you were at the FCS Bowl and you're going to be on the call for the Tropical Bowl. Mm-hmm. For those of you who say, oh, these, you know, what, you know, what's the point of the, all these, F, you know, college football all star games? Devlin Hodges did not go to the Senior Bowl. He was not invited to the Shrine Game. He was not even at the NFL PA Bowl. He played in the Tropical Bowl. You know who interviewed him? I think that would be you. Yes. We had a nice long interview with Devlin Hodges on our website, too. So for all of you guys that are, you know, who might in the future receive an invite to the Tropical Bowl or the FCS Bowl and think, eh, I may or may not go, the guy who's leading the Pittsburgh Steelers to wins right now played in the Tropical Bowl and was pretty darn good. And guess what? If you have talent, you'll be found. Just like this next guy that I want to talk about, that's Kalen Saunders, defensive tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs, formerly of the Western Illinois Leathernecks, he has quietly put together a very nice rookie season. It's hard to it's hard to break through in part of this Kansas City defense, but he's gotten four starts this year. He's gotten recorded 17 tackles. He's gotten his first sack. He also had a pass breakup so far. He's been excellent on defense. Um, and also a shout out to Jimmy Moreland, defensive back from Washington, Muck City, from JMU. Four starts for him. He's played in 13 games so far for the Redskins. 39 tackles and three pass breakups. He's had a very, very good year for Washington. He's kept them in a lot of games. Yeah, and uh, one of the guys that has been a star since the whole thing started, I'm talking all the way back to the Shrine game, started all week, got the call up to the Senior Bowl, was a star there as well. Preseason and training camp, all you heard was Jimmy Moreland picking off Haskins, picking off all the other quarterbacks and things of that nature in camp. That right there, to me, is a guy that's just – a baller, and that's the type of guy you want on the team. But yeah. people will look at, oh, he's 5'10", 176. I, I tell this, I just told a story to a scout at the Tropical Bowl who was talking about players we've seen and you know how much yeah. you don't really have to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember we were we were in college, and this was my senior year, so this is 2002. And you know, we as college athletes, you know, little to uh, 
to no surprise, we're all draft nicks as well. Yeah. Because you want to see the guys you competed against, who's going to draft them. Yeah. Or are they really that good? Yeah. Or, so we, we were all in on the draft. There was this one guy from an FCS school that uh, we, we saw, um, we heard mentioned because uh, he was going to an all-star game. I want to say it was either the Hula Bowl or uh, the Shrine game. But it was Rasheen Mathis from Bethune-Cookman. Mm. And this is 2002. There's no YouTube. There's yep. no huddle. <laughs> so we was like, man, why? Well, that's, he's a tall corner. Why he's getting looked for? Then we went on online and found the newspaper yep. and found his stats. His senior season, he had 14 intercepts. I was like, I don't have to see any film. Yeah. That's the dude I want on my team. He makes plays. 14 intercepts as a senior. Yeah. You can't catch that many intercepts in practice. <laughs> like, so but Jimmy Moreland was that type of guy at JMU and also in these All-Star games. Every time I tweeted out at the time, like, man, you would think Moreland played offense yeah. with how many times he had the ball in his hands at practice. Yeah. It's like, man, every time I look up, 22 got the football. Yeah. Balling. Exactly. And, and, and what I love about this, too, we talk about Jimmy Moreland, JMU, Hodges from Samford. Kalen Saunders from Western Illinois. Josh Miles has played in seven games for Arizona as, as a tackle from Morgan State. Jesper Horstead, tight end. Touchdown on Thanksgiving, go-go offense right down the seam. So it was a con- it was a cascade of, of, of enjoyment in the Hunt household because you had a guy you talked about a lot in Horstead yep. scoring on the offense that you spent all season talking about in the yep. go-go offense. Score on on national TV to where everybody has to, you know, Google who the hell is Jesper Horsehead. Yeah. And the only thing that pops up is football game plan video interviews and the athletic <laughs> articles written by yours truly. So it's a great day. So you have him from Princeton. He's, you know, had a good impact for Chicago. Carlson. Carlson from Cleveland, also a Princeton guy. But then you have Jamie Gillen, the punter from Cleveland from Arkansas Pine Bluff. Quincy Williams at Jacksonville from Murray State. Troy Readers had a really good year for the Raiders out of Delaware. He's been outstanding. Undrafted rookie free agent starting at middle linebacker. Keelan Doss from UC Davis. What I'm saying here, folks, the talent is all over it's the map. It's always there. Like I, I, I tell this, All over the map. Tell this story all the time. My sophomore year in college, we lost to all three of our then 1AA opponents. We lost to Jacksonville State. Yep. We lost to Sam Houston State with Josh McCown at QB. And we lost to Northwestern State. All at home. All three FCS teams. And these are just the rookies, folks. These are just the rookies. Never mind the guys that have been in the league for a few years, like your Cooper Cups. Shout out to Matt Dominguez. Outstanding receiver at Sam Houston State. He's killing us, too. So, there's a lot of FCS that, you know, okay, yeah, you might not go get drafted. You might not hear your name called. But you're going to make an impact. And we're seeing that again this year. And for those of us who consistently follow the FCS know, that's more of a given than not. Now, here's another example. Ravens tight end Mark Andrews suffered a contusion to the knee and thigh, somewhere in between there, right? Right. And they say it's nothing major. And it's a short week for the Ravens, so we don't know if he's going to play on Thursday. But you know who they can call up off the practice squad to fill that void? Charles Scarf, tight end Delaware. Hey, they're all over the place, folks. We're just saying. Joining another tight end from Delaware that's starting for the Baltimore Ravens and Nick Boyle. 
and then, and then I think that in the past there was a, some guy from Delaware too that was he's a Flacco, some some guy named Flacco. I think he's they he's pretty covered good too. the they they are treating their area like college recruiting. You know, yeah. <laughs> a lot of terps at one point, and now a lot of blue hens have found yeah, their exactly. way to, to uh, Owens Mills. So we'll keep an eye on for sure on all of these guys, all the FCS players in the NFL, and in, the numbers just keep on growing. Uh, and I'm sure when the XFL gets underway, we'll be keeping an eye on some of them there as well. Oh, don't tease that one because we do have some F, uh, XFL stuff we got coming down the pike. Just, just saying, just a tease. That's all I'm going to. We give got all you. kind of TV shows, man. Like by the way, <laughs> we got three TV shows. We're going to have three TV shows when the season's over just, just three new ones just yeah you know we'll, we'll keep it quiet for now let's get into the quarterfinal round though emery and the awesome thing about this is that you folks at home will be able to sit down in front of your tv for the most part and watch three fcs games on television this weekend espn has finally figured out oh wait people actually want to watch this we're going to start with three games on friday we're going to start at 7 p.m. ESPN 2. James Madison, the number two C, taking on Northern Iowa. We've seen now from JMU, they have explosive offense. They have an incredible defense. You and I bring some pretty good defense of their own to the table, but they're going to have to find a lot of offense to win this ballgame. A lot of purple in this game as well, too. Yes. Tons of purple. So, you're right. It's going to have to be offense for Northern Iowa. They have to find a way to get offensive out there at uh, Bridgeport Stadium. Which is not going to be an easy place to play. That stadium is absolutely raucous. Um, And it's also the first time these two teams are ever meeting. That uh, is shocking to me. Which is a little interesting. Also a first time meeting for the next game. This one is on ESPN3. So if you get ESPN through your cable package, you should be able to watch this game as well on your computer. Starts at 8 p.m. First ever meeting between the Governors of Austin P and the Bobcats of Montana State. Now, Montana State, they've put up some really big numbers this year as well, but these two teams kind of mirror each other a little bit, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But Austin P, <laughs> the darlings of the Cinderella story continues for the guys with, must- with mustachioed uh, governors with monocles on their helmets. They-, they, might be- they might be good enough. Who knows? Go ahead and get it out one more time, Dave. They are the last debutante. There you go. In the SS playoffs. All right. So, <laughs> Austin P. And you're right. I, I like this. I think they're both very similar. It's going to be a very good better. It's going to be game. a very good game because I think I do believe they're very similar in what they do. I will learn a lot more about Austin P.'s defense because you have to be able to handle that downward pressure coming from that ground game yes. of Montana State. Montana State's offensive line and defensive line is like legit brick walls. Yeah, you know it's Pac-12 deep front seven. Right, I, no, I, you know you not not Pac-12. Let's let's give them a Big little bit 10? more. Yeah, there you go. There we go. Big no, Ten. Pac-12, you can, yeah, you're pushing it. Yeah, it's a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Pac-12 is really Pac-2 when you're talking defense. <laughs> let's get into the third matchup here. Again, this is also on Friday, ESPN two, 10 p.m. Eastern time, 7 p.m. Pacific, and that's time when out. that's going to be taken. T- t- what? Ten Eastern. Ten Eastern. 7 Pacific. This one will be watched on Saturday. Well, this is Weber versus Montana, so anyone who's you know <laughs> get living close to those two schools will be up for this one. I can't wait for this ball game because this one, Montana, I mean, there's no way Montana can put up 73 points in back-to-back weeks. This is a Weber team they beat 35-16. Weber's defense has to step up like they did against Kennesaw if they want any chance in this one, but they also have to slow down the monster, the quiet monster that I think should have gotten a little bit more attention as well in the Walter Payton Award voting in Dalton Sneed. 
How about we put on a little soapbox right quick and be stand on top of it? Go for it. Who authorized the NCAA to schedule this game at 10 p.m. <laughs> Eastern time? Why, Why not th- move this to Saturday afternoon after the North Dakota State game? Why are three of them on Friday when you give them a short week in the playoffs, in the only true playoff format? It's all about the student-athletes, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, there, and there's never enough money either. They completely – Saturday is reserved for Army-Navy, I guess. Amen. And that CBS seven-hour broadcast. Hey. You know, that game is going to start at 2 and, and end, at, you know, Sunday afternoon kickoff for the NFL. Shout out to Army. Go Army beat Navy. What I don't understand, that game, that Montana-Weaver State game should have been moved to 4 o'clock on Saturday. Yes. Yes. 100%. Because that says 10 Eastern. Yes. I am not going to be able to, to stay up as, you know, <laughs> and watch that ball game. But still, though, let's talk about the game, though. Cause it's going to be a great one because – Weaver State's defense we, has to be great. But if we if what we saw last week from Montana's offense, even half of that carries over to this week against Weber State, it's going to be interesting to see how Weber State competes. That's it's, all I'm saying. It's going to be very, very interesting. And the last game here, this is the only one on Saturday. ESPN proper. Just ESPN on this one at noon. The number one seed Bison of North Dakota State taking on Illinois State. Again, a rematch from the regular season in this one. Uh, North Dakota State, well, they are who they are. We know what they're going to do. They crushed Illinois State 37-3. James Robinson is going to have to have the game of his life. He also might have to, you know, fill in at quarterback and wide receiver on the same play. But they're going to have to try to shut down this North Dakota State offense, and that's going to be very, very difficult. This is more about Illinois State's offense and their ability to score. Yeah. From the passing game. Yes. Their passing game has to show up and, and play. Because if it doesn't. They don't have one. Create one. You have from now <laughs> until Saturday at noon Eastern time on ESPN proper to find a passing game. And I see. And it's indoors, so you don't yeah. have to deal with the elements. See, and here's the thing when I saw them play against Western Illinois this year, I saw that this, was, this could be a problem. If they have to throw the ball, it's not going to be easy for them. First of all, I'm done listening to you and your scouting reports because because of your scouting reports, I chose the upset, uh, I want to say two weeks ago, and Illinois State made me look like a fool because well, their offense showed up. Did you expect James Robinson to go to, for 297 on you, 42 carries? You said that their offense – They're one-dimensional, were they not? Well, that's a damn good one-dimension. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying, though, but it's still one-dimensional. So, I don't know. It sounds like you're discounting James Robinson as a running back. That's what I'm hearing. No, I'm always pro running back. Uh I just don't understand (laughs) how in, you know, 2019 you struggle to find a passing game. If anything, you should be able to find that more than anything else. And uh, looking forward here, folks, again, we don't don't know how these games are going to go, but the potential semifinal matchups, the winner of North Dakota State, Illinois State, will face the winner – of Montana State, Austin P. I think an Austin P. North Dakota State game could be very interesting, or Montana State. Either one could be very interesting there. The other side, Weber versus Montana, Northern Iowa, James Madison. How crazy would a JMU Montana game look in the semis at Bridgeforth? Or even Weber. In that JMU. could be very, not very to discredit Northern Iowa. And they're very good defense. And they're very good defense. They have a shot, they work hard. But. <laughs> James Madison versus Montana or Weaver State would be a very intriguing 
that would be a that packed would be, house. Be a real good game. That would be nuts. That'll do it, folks, here for the FCS Opening Drive Podcast, our quarterfinal preview. Again, if you want to listen back on any of our other podcasts to see how wrong or right we were, potentially, you can do that on SoundCloud and iTunes by searching Football Game Plan in the podcast section. And you can subscribe while you're over there so you don't miss anything of our college football or NFL content. We have the NFL All-32 podcast as well. As I mentioned, we have three TV shows on the Game Plus network, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. If you have Optimum in the New York area, that is at 6.30. We will have some interesting programming as well as we get uh, further on in the year and into the year 2020. We're less than a month away from 2020. It's hard, kind of hard to believe. We only got, what, two weeks till Christmas? Two and a half weeks till Christmas? I look at I look at the time <laughs> as I have another month to travel again. So, in between sleep. that, yeah, Christmas happens. Yeah, sleep. <laughs> just get in some bowl sleep. games. So we'll keep an eye on Did all you just of that. Take a drink. I like, thought you were going to keep going on your on your little segue there. Come on now. Anyway, folks, that'll do it here for the quarterfinal pod- podcast. Tune in next week, next Monday, for the semifinal preview. We'll have we'll talk about a couple of award winners on that one, as well as who makes it to the final four. And we'll talk about, eh, who knows what we're going to talk about. We'll figure out something. Maybe we'll talk about Christmas dinner. We had a whole talk about Thanksgiving dinner on the NFL podcast a couple weeks ago. Maybe we can do a Christmas dinner one this time around. Well, you'll never know what can come up on this podcast, folks. That'll do it. Maybe Alex Marinoni will pop in for another random segue. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but who knows. Uh, that'll do it for us, folks. Thanks for listening in. We'll see you next week here on the FCS Opening Drive Podcast.